Hi everyone, today I'm talking to Conrad Molden. You might actually already know him, but if you don't, he's the redhead comedian who likes to mix Danish and English when performing. I first got to know about Conrad back in 2017 when I was studying in Aarhus to become a journalist. And I was looking for comedy shows in English because that's what I enjoy. And I found this English comedy nights at this very cozy bar in the old part of the city. And to go into the bar, me and my friends had to go down these narrow stairs into a basement where there was a very small stage and there were seats for about 20 people and most nights were full. And they were mostly international students and Danish comedians trying out their jokes in English. It was really, really, really fun. And that was back in 2017. And now that I'm back in Denmark before Corona times, I see this comedian performing here in Copenhagen in Comedy Zoo and Premium Theater, which is not surprising because he's super talented and super funny with really good observations into the Danish culture during his routines. Conrad is originally from England and moved here at the end of 2012. He's been performing since 2013 in Denmark with comedians like Sebastian Dorset and Jacob Tornhoy. Conrad also co-founded the English stand-up comedy in Aarhus, what I was talking about earlier, and he's performed all over Denmark in private and public events. Hi, Conrad. Thank you so much for being here today to talk about work and life in Denmark. Thank you so much for having me on the show and really nice uh, little introduction. I feel very <laughs> flattered. <laughs> yeah. I hope the person you're talking about is as good as I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah, kind of you. When I called you to talk about the episode, I didn't mention that I actually really knew about you before. And today I thought I really need to add this because this is how I got to know about what you do. And I really enjoy seeing you performing back then. And, you know, it wasn't a little bar. It's different probably from what you're doing. I mean, I know we're in Corona times, but are you performing at all? Yeah, COVID has been a bit strange because it's all kind of moved online. Mm-hmm. So I have been doing since autumn last year, so 2020. I've been doing a lot of live stream shows. Okay. Yeah, which is another. Is that? That's a whole different experience. It's not the same at all as having a live audience. But I also understand that you know a lot of people are really craving some live comedy. Yeah. So it's not bad as now I've done maybe I don't know 20 or 30 of them and. Now I feel like there's a good energy to it. But I've also been doing these drive-in shows. Have you heard about them? No. What is that? Drive-in shows. Oh, this is real. It's like a big, it's outdoors. There's a huge stage, like a stadium-sized stage. And there's a car park and people drive in their cars and they tune in on the radio to your microphone. And you're on the stage doing comedy and they can hear you in their car. That's so cool. I have never heard of this. But is this happening now? Like, are you doing shows like that right now for people to know if they want to go? Like, where are you doing these shows? This was really, really popular right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it kind of died out at the end Mm -hmm. of last year. But there are still some going on. I mean, there's also they're doing like kind of live music. So you can go and see big bands play (laughs) from the kind of safety of your car. Um, So, but, but yeah, I did a few of them. And that was also a very strange experience, but also kind of fun, you know. Yeah, I I have to look into that and go and see something, (laughs) get out of the apartment. Well, yes, thank you for being here. And to get to know you a little bit more, why don't you share with us what's your backstory and how do you end up here in Denmark? Well, for me, you know, there's two halves to my life. The comedy part, Uh I was always into stand-up since I was a really little boy. Mm -hmm. And I used to go and my mom is also really into stand-up comedy. She used to take me to shows. And there were some comedians I really fell in love with. And I used to 
try to meet them after the show, you know, and like, you know, sort of, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, like super geeky, yeah. like wanting to sign my whatever, little posters and stuff. And then I really wanted to perform and try. So when I reached 16, I started performing in London and um, it was really terrible. Ah. It was really, really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Why? Honestly, really, like really, really bad because I, I didn't understand that it, it's all about writing jokes and working on your material. I just had mm. this um, vision. I just thought, oh, I'll just go up there and I'll, I'll just be so funny and they'll just think <laughs> I'm so funny. And, and it was really, really bad. I did that for maybe half a year. Okay. It, uh, just in London. London, of course, you know, big city has a great comedy scene. And um, that also made it worse. The contrast was even worse because people were like, wow, this guy is really bad. Really bad. You know, it's, not, <laughs> it's not just. So like, you would just go up and start talking about whatever happened that day and not really have. It was prepared. even worse than that. No, it wasn't <laughs> even that relatable. It was more like just random, just bizarre thoughts that I had. <laughs> so just, yeah, these just like weird wordplay jokes that didn't make sense. And. Yeah, I just did not understand comedy at all. So then I then I stopped and I just gave up. Meanwhile, I was studying at university, doing my I did my bachelor in uh, it's weird, but I did it in war and terrorism. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you make some jokes sometimes about looking like um, someone who will go into a school and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just I'm remembering. Yeah, your routine is always fun. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so you study. Okay, you, you did your bachelor's in war and terrorism. Okay. Why? Yeah. What, what what made you decide to study that? Well, the true story is that before that, mm -hmm. I wanted to work in television and I really wanted to work as a cameraman. Okay. So I was studying also a bachelor mm -hmm. on a different course and I really wasn't enjoying it. And I enjoyed the course, but it was done in a very terrible town in the UK called Hastings. And it's there are some really sad cities in the UK, you know, where there's just no economy and there's just no jobs and everything is just run down and the streets are just full of alcoholics. And and they put this university there to like bring new young energy to the city and it just yeah. didn't work. It was horrible. And I, I was there for half a year and I was so, so sad, so depressed. And then I, I just took the, there was a prospectus, you know, like the big book of all the courses at the university. Mm -hmm. And I just opened it randomly. A, on a page and that was the course it was war and terrorism and you said destiny um, yes. <laughs> it was like my horoscope yeah but then I left that city and I went to uh, mm. another city about uh, yeah a couple of hours away and then I went and studied war and terrorism there then I graduate and it's time for me to find something to do and I wanted to do a master but I wanted to do it overseas because I read that there was it was free in some countries mm-hmm And I was looking and it said something. Like I couldn't even understand the name of the city. It was like Arhus or something. Or, and it said it was in Denmark. I've like, yeah. never heard of this place, but I'll apply. And then I got it. Cool. Uh, just a, Yeah, I didn't expect that I would get it. My plan was actually to move to Turkey at that point. Mm -hmm. I found a job there. But anyway, that story never happened because then I, yeah, then I moved to Aarhus and I started doing my master, which is in um, basically anthropology, okay. anthropology and development. So very much about people and how to, imp I don't know, improve the world or something. <laughs> you can tell that I didn't do much reading. For like <laughs> and that was in 2012, right? When you yeah. went to study in Aarhus. Okay. 
And that's when my comedy kind of picks up again, because at that point I was writing a lot about my experiences living in Denmark, uh-huh. uh, about the language. I just thought the language was absolutely brilliant and bana- so bananas. And there's so much crossover with English. There's a uh-huh. lot of the same grammar and they've just stolen basically half the English language. So um, I started writing a lot and then um, I thought I should try again a comedy. So I performed again in early 2013 and uh, it went really, really well. Actually, at the same place you talked about earlier, it was like this little basement bar. Yeah, um, I remember the and... name. I don't remember the name right now, but it's, it was very nice to go there. It's really nice. It was actually um, the the place where they brewed the beer for mm. the cathedral in Aarhus. So it's like the oldest basement. In, it's really old. It's like, I don't know. I'm just going to guess. It's like 1500s or something. It's numbers. really old. <laughs> exactly. Cool. You know, ye oldie days. Yes. But yeah, so I performed and it went really, really well. And that kind of uh, just took off for me. I just started performing more and more and more and more and just really kind of found my my kind of the comedian that I wanted to be. So finally. Yeah. And was, like, uh, how did that start, though, in Ahus? Because you said you went there to study your master's. <laughs> and sorry, I'm not laughing, just I'm... No, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I understand sometimes we go to study somewhere and then other things happen and it, that, that's great. So how how did that happen? You were studying, you started, writing, you started to write jokes. And where do you go first? Like, how do you start finding the people that you needed to connect with, you know, to be on a stage? And, and also because you co-founded, what is it called? The comedy stand-up, Ojus, right? With this other yeah. comedian. How How did all of that happen? I got really lucky that Aarhus had a comedy scene, mm-hmm. actually run by that the guy Jakob Tarnhoy, who you mentioned before. Yes. So I kind of was just, I was sort of, I arrived sort of at, just at the right time because they had really, uh, him and another comedian, a big comedian called, a uh, Danish comedian called Thomas Varber, they had worked really hard to establish a comedy mm-hmm. scene in Aarhus. So they'd been going to different venues and trying to get them to do stand-up and trying to find a rhythm because mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do is to actually have an open mic that people know about and go to mm-hmm. you know that you say at this location every single week they have stand-up comedy but by the time i arrived they had just established that <laughs> so it's <was> really lucky <laughs> so it was going really well and it was really really busy and i of course performed in english which mm-hmm. was i think really fun and different for the audience but i think maybe after about six months of doing it i got this feeling that you know, that it's a Danish comedy mic mm-hmm. and it's Danish comedians and maybe yeah, one or once or twice the English guy can come and perform. Mm-hmm. But then I also got this feeling of maybe I should just do English comedy for people who want to hear it in English. So me and Jacob, we talked together and we created something called English stand-up comedy Aarhus. Mm-hmm. So, and the plan was take the same venue and take everything that was working, but just start a new night that was only in English. Mm-hmm. And that became every Sunday at eight o'clock in the evening. At the start, it was it got really busy. This was because it was um, the spring in 2013. But then the summer came. Nobody wants to go into a basement in the summer. You know, <laughs> like Denmark has two weeks of nice weather. You don't want to be inside. <laughs> so we got a bit slow. We were doing nights where we performed for maybe five people. And then that winter, it really started to take off. So we had... I mean, some nights it was really crazy, like 80 plus people coming every single week to come and see us perform. In, in that little really, bar? Really, in that tiny bar, yeah. Wow. It was really, really fun, yeah. yeah. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And now it's to the point where, just before Corona, where we don't even need to advertise, you know, just internationals, people just know that you go there and yeah. see yeah, see live, live English comedy for free. 
Yeah, and it's really nice to find events like this where maybe you rest a little bit from all the cultural things going on in your life and you can just have like a safe space and listen to a language that you do understand because Danish is quite difficult to learn. And um, yeah, and enjoy some some humor there. I'm really glad that, that you had that. Um, is it still happening today? Yeah, yeah. Does it I have mean, like comedy, English comedy nights? Yeah, it, I mean, the only disruption has been with Corona. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, yeah, it was going really well. We had, we actually, right before March 2020, we just had a huge group of new internationals that came. Because okay. what's quite fun is that lots of people are coming and graduating and leaving the country. So you actually <laughs> kind of get like a kind of evolution in the comedians. Uh -huh. And that was really fun. There was a lot of new people who had just arrived, just performing. And I also got a job teaching stand-up comedy. And I was encouraging my students to come and perform. And then kind of, yeah, that that has all come to a stop. But hopefully as things open up, we will start again. And can you share a little bit about uh, how do you start writing these jokes where you mix English and Danish? How did that, yeah, how do you work on those jokes? I mean... I would like to say that of my performed material, I would say yeah. about 90% of it is kind of completely true. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time it's just remembering to write it down. It sounds silly, but something I say to my comedy students is I really think that kind of everybody can be a comedian, but they just don't, they don't remember all of the really funny stuff mm. because you see things and you have conversations with people and maybe something makes you laugh. And if you just write it down and then you build like this massive archive, suddenly you, you don't even realize, but suddenly you have like 10, 15, 20 minutes of material. So that's what I do. Like I have a joke in my first special about hearing a guy at the airport mixing English and Danish together. And he he literally said something like, Div a large size, men there were, what was it? Something like, Div a large size, men there were store knock, Oh, you can really like it or something like this, like this crazy mix. And I was on a bus and I heard him say, and I literally wrote it down in my book at that moment. And it's just this perfect fusion of the two. So that's usually the way that I do it. I just try to really observe what's happening around me. Yeah, but wait, wait, what, what does that mean? Do you speak Danish right now? I was trying to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not there yet. Um, module three, not there yet. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. My Danish is also terrible. Don't worry. <laughs> but what, what does that mean? What, what what did the person say? So he so he's mixing that in the sentence. He's mixing the two. He's saying devil large size, like it was large size. But okay. In Danish, you know, they have the word large and they have the word size, uh -huh. but he used the English words <laughs> in the middle. That's what I love about Danes is they will instead um, of saying okay, store. A, or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what instead of saying store. Okay, I'll give you a concrete example. Okay. Um, I was working in a bar and mm. we had to get an app for our phone for some work thing. And the guy, one of my colleagues, he, he's a Danish guy, he takes out his phone and he says in Danish, yeah, can you download there? Like, I cannot download the app. Mm. Min mobile, air for old. Like, my phone is for old. And I looked at him and I said, you have the word for old in Danish. They have the word gamel, but he just used the English word in uh -huh. the sentence. And he didn't even realize. <laughs> Min mobile air for old. And I was like, wow, okay, these people, they don't even realize how crazy their danglish is. They're mixing <laughs> these things together. So that's just my inspiration, I think, everyday life. That's cool, cool. And I have a few more questions here. So tell me, how has it been to be a comedian in this country? You know, people say has it's very unique type of humor very sarcastic it can be sometimes rude or or 
maybe once you start to know how it works, it, it can actually be pretty funny. But how was it for you to, is it similar to the humor in England? I think so. I think that the fact that so many British comedies are shown here in Denmark uh -huh. and also that I know it's not comedy, but there are so many Danish kind of dark crime things that are really popular in the UK. And I think there is a real crossover in terms of like our, our kind of emotional response. You know, it's it's Northwest Europe. <laughs> so the weather is kind of crap all the time. And you kind of have to take the piss out of yourself because <laughs> otherwise, you know, you have to laugh. Otherwise you would cry, you know. So I think there is a lot of similarities. There's a lot of history between the two countries as well. And um, yeah, I think a really kind of strong cultural link between the two. So at least my experience of performing for Danes is that they really like the style and the mm -hmm. the feeling of the humor. And they also do like, yeah, a bit more things, a bit more dark and ironic, like you say, kind of more sarcastic humor. I think there's a really good crossover. And today, uh, how is the life of a comedian? Is that like a full-time job or... Just wondering it if was. it was okay before Corona. Before Corona, things yeah, things were going really, really well. I was mm -hmm. actually in the middle of a. Uh, I have my one man show was called Danglish, and then I was uh, yeah, it was the tour was finished, and we released a special that's now streaming on television. And then mm -hmm. um, I was right in the middle of my second tour when uh, Corona hit. So I was actually on stage in Horsens for maybe. I don't know, I can't remember. I think it was like 150, 200 people. And then the next day, everything stopped. Um, and so we just had Ooh, to postpone yeah. and postpone and postpone. So there have I have now performed live since then a couple of times when lockdown ended in Denmark mm -hmm. for a little bit. But otherwise, we have shows now that have been postponed over one year. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been kind of difficult. And also for a comedian, it's not just live shows uh, that make you the money. It's performing for companies and performing for private people. Mm -hmm. And that's also been really hard because people don't want to pay as much money for a live stream show. Right. And also a lot of companies don't, don't have the money right now to pay for entertainment for their employees. Mm. So I think when Corona hit, it was... I think I calculated at one point, I think after six months that I lost like 120,000 kroner in jobs. They all got cancelled. Right. So, yeah. So things financially have not been great since COVID. Is, I mean, obviously it's been hard for everybody, but yeah, for live entertainment, it's been <laughs> yeah, the end, basically. And do you have like a support group? Um, I'm just wondering with comedians where you can talk oh, they're about They're all alcoholics. <laughs> They're all alcoholics anyway. Yeah, I mean, everybody. It's also that, you know, comedians, they're strange people and they I think they need to perform. It's some kind of weird therapy for them. And, mm. um, you know, yeah. so I think a lot of people, I know, I know, uh, you know, every comedian I know, I know is really, really like eager to go back and to perform on stage again. Yeah, I, I so, yeah, imagine also like the, the rush of getting on a stage and get, you know, people laughing there's something going on there that it's part of who you are and it makes you feel good right so it must be really hard oh, for to sure. know, yeah to make it to do that do you know any other comedians from from england here i know you say you had you have students but i wonder if you also connect with maybe fellow comedians that come here and help them you know maybe get shows well a while ago maybe two or three years ago i had um i was working with a booking guy who he did something called the danish international comedy tour and he would okay. bring over semi-famous 
comedians. I mean, if you were really nerdy, uh, really nerdy on your comedy, then you would really know who they are. But otherwise, some of them were quite big. And he would bring them over to Denmark, and I got to tour with them. Awesome. Um, and some of them, and some of them now like have Netflix specials or are like more household names, you know. So that was really fun. So they kind of gave me a lot of tips and really helped me to improve. And then now through doing the comedy shows, I mean, I often get asked to do comedy gigs where I need more comedians. So I mm. ask comedians that I really like to come along. So I've given some comedians their first paid shows, for example. Um, I'm actually doing one next week for a company here in Aarhus. And I will invite uh, yeah, comedian friends of mine and they will perform along with me for money. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Because cool. I think that's also really important that that I think a lot of comedians they don't really know how to start making money out of it. That's that can be really hard, especially when you're completely unknown and you don't. Especially if you don't have any online material, mm. you know, people you just have to kind of trust. You'd be like, hey, you know, Rasmus Jensen, he's really funny, and you're like, okay, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, I haven't I seen him. I haven't seen him perform. I've got to believe that he's really good, and I should give him, you know, thousands of krona. So how can someone who wants to be a comedian who's not Danish, right? Someone who just moved here, maybe they had an office job before or, or they still have uh, an office job or any kind of job they're having, but they're thinking, mm, I would like to try this out. I've been writing some jokes down and uh, uh, where, where should they go? Like how, what would be a, the next step or the first step for them to start getting into the scene? Well, after we made English stand-up comedy who's here, Jakob uh, actually moved to Copenhagen and he started English comedy over there. So there's uh, something called the ICC, okay. um, the, which is a, it's a theater mainly set up for improv comedy. Yes. But now they do it with, um, mm -hmm. it's, which is also really, really fun. I've also done an um, improv, it's really good fun. But they also have an, a regular English open mic. And then it started moving to Odense as well. Odense has a huge student community. So they have the studenter who's there. It's not it's not super regular. It's maybe every three weeks or every mm -hmm. month. But they have um, a, like a big English show where they'll have like 10 comedians or something. And you pay money to go, a little bit of money, like 50 kroner to go see. And also in Oldborg, sometimes they have some shows. So there are, if you're near, like, mm -hmm. I want to say a metropolis, but it's Denmark. <laughs> so if you're near like a large-ish town, <laughs> yeah. then you should... Even even there is even small towns like mm -hmm. Nestville, which mm -hmm. is in Western Shelland, and they have English comedy as well. I did not know that, and I've, I'm in Nestville quite often. But I've been to really? the ICC. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been to the ICC oh, nice. place here in Denmark many times. I mean, I like I said in the beginning, I really enjoyed comedy, and when I was in Aarhus, this was my salvation. Like those English nights were like, yes, oh. some comedy. So it's it's amazing that yeah, things like this can mean a lot for people who are passing by as students or maybe just moved here. And when I moved to Copenhagen, the first thing that I did was to look for <laughs> places to go to see stand-up oh, comedy in English. Wonderful. So finding the ICC was pretty, pretty cool. And they've been doing... Oh, yeah. so happy. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> they've been doing oh. online stuff too. So you were saying that people should who would like to start a career path as a comedian... They could start by reaching out to these places in these cities where comedy is already happening, right? Yeah, start to exactly. be known. And start practicing. And, and what I'm hearing is like also like uploading material online is a good way to start too. 
Oh, I think, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's 2020. I think it's so important. I have so many good comedian friends who just don't record themselves. And I understand why there's a big difference, you know, there's a big difference between having a phone video of yourself performing mm-hmm. um, and something high quality. And I would not recommend putting, you know, low quality things online. Mm-hmm. But I really recommend, especially to my comedy friends, it's like just borrow a nice camera or find a friend with a good camera and just record your record two minutes of yourself and have that online for people to see. Because it really makes all the difference. Yeah. And then you can start, there's a website called Event Zone mm-hmm. where you can put yourself up. It's kind of comedian for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people put themselves up there. And if there's an event, then they can look on there and try to find you. Right. And then um, I'm in a really, really lucky situation now because I have I have my special streaming on TV too. So I actually get contacted directly because there are um, right. companies that want, it's not that they want a comedian, they want to see me, which is really, really wonderful. And so I'm in a very, very lucky position that I can kind of, I can kind of use my brand to mm-hmm. start, you know, doing things and offering shows to companies is really nice. Wait, do you say it's 2020? Just sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was like, did he sorry, mean to say that? Or right. he, yeah, it is hard to believe that it's April already. It's all one thing now. Yeah, one blob. One blob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, going back to your experience living in Denmark. I've been super excited to talk about the community part of your life here, but also I want to know more about, you know, your experience with the Danish culture when you moved here. If there was anything that you found, I don't know, probably funny, but like shocking or interesting or that really made you think like, this is so weird. Like, uh, do you have any experience like that when you moved to Denmark? I, I mean, it's just been a real adventure, I must yeah. say. Like, living, like, I have a joke now where I talk about putting on like war paint on my face and like living with the Danes, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, undercover. I think, I, I mean, demo really kind of revolutionized my mind to how sweet and kind a society can mm-hmm. be. I just really got this, this overwhelming sense when I moved to Aarhus that people are really, there's, it's a lot of trust. Like people are really trusting and really honest. And I also make a lot of jokes about that in my show that people really believe. Like the biggest, the biggest one that I have that always surprises me is whenever I turn up for a comedy show, they usually give you a big list of information about, you know, ring, when you arrive, go to this location and ring this person. And usually I don't do that. Like I just turn up at the venue and just talk to the first person I see, be like, hi. And when I tell them, I just say, hey, I'm here to do comedy. They'll be like, yeah, sure. And they'll just open security doors and take you into the backstage areas and just let you, they, no questions. They just let you be free. I love Denmark like that. <laughs> Because you could be anybody. You just be a random crazy person off the street and they believe you. And it's it's really nice because it also makes you really start to trust other people as well. And I, I really loved being in Aarhus when I was studying because I just felt like I felt safe and I could go out with uh, friends late at night and I never worried about those kind of things. And that was really different to living in London um, and growing up there. And this feeling, of, you know, sometimes I live in a kind of suburb area. It's about maybe 20, 30 minutes by train from the very center. And going back home, especially after midnight, I would put my hood up and walk very quickly in the dark. It's because there was so, there, you know, so many instances. And I, I'd been robbed outside my house a few times where I lived when I was younger, been mugged a few times. And I've never had experiences like that at all in Denmark. Yeah. And that's been really nice. That's really made me want to to stay. I know that, you know, London is a different monster compared to just living. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not really fair to compare because there are some horrible bits of London. But, um, but that's just really, yeah, that's been really, really nice for me. Also, I've also felt the same in Copenhagen every time I've been there visiting friends and going out. That this is a good vibe about the city, you know? Yeah. 
Although, although maybe Copenhagen is a little bit more stressed, they're a little <laughs> bit more busy. <laughs> no, but I agree with that, with uh, the sense of safety that you get here in Denmark. I don't think that I've ever felt that anywhere else. And whenever I have a chance, I, I like to just share that, that it's amazing just to feel safe, that you can just go anywhere and everybody is minding their own business or there's trust, like you said. You don't need to be or feel tensed when you go out, regardless of the time that you go out. It's it's, it's a nice thing to to have. Yeah, so one question that I wanted to ask before, and I think I just... I forgot to ask is, so you went to study, you went to study, you know, who's, and you started also doing comedy shows there. Was there a time or in what moment did you decide, okay, from now on, I'm going to pursue my career as a comedian and, you know, I will forget about <laughs> this master in anthropology <laughs> and these other things. When, when did that happen? When do you feel like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like this, this is my calling or this is what I love to do. Maybe, maybe it's not a calling. I'm, I'm thinking it's a calling because it sounds... It sounds like it's a lot of work, right? To be a comedian. Yeah. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's, maybe you can tell me, Rita. No, it's not. <laughs> Actually, everybody should be a comedian. But yeah, when did that happen? <laughs> well, I mean, I did graduate. Not mm. with the best grade ever. Don't get me wrong. My thesis is not good. <laughs> it's on. If anybody listening wants proof, you can I put it online so you can see how bad it is. I think the moment that really changed was I was in... Um, I was actually doing an open mic in Ranners. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like this city just north of Aarhus that has a bit of a bad reputation. But I, and I didn't know it at the time, but while I was there, I met another comedian mm -hmm. uh, called Tim Bork Nielsen. And we were just, you know, just chatting and drinking a beer. And he also performed along with me. And I think it was in, I think it was by 2015. So like two years later, I was in a supermarket and I just got a phone call from him randomly, like out of the blue. And we got chatting a little bit. And he said, you know, I've, he, he told me that he had quit being a standup, but he had started booking comedians. And he said that mm -hmm. he had heard that he'd seen me perform and he'd heard that I was getting really good. You know, it's now been like, yeah, two or three years of performing. And he was like, I really want to do a tour with you. And I was so skeptical. I was like, no, this is a waste of time and no one's going to buy tickets to this thing. And he was like, just trust me, I'll put in all the money and you put in all of the performing and there's no risk for you, right? Like you, if it doesn't work out, you don't lose anything. You just get the chance to perform. And it really started to take off. Like we started selling tickets and booking shows and he had a venue in Copenhagen where I started to perform. And the first night of the tour sold out And night after night, more and more people were coming to the shows. And I started really, really writing on the show, really like rewriting my material and organizing it and getting better and better and better. And then suddenly we had this product. We had this like hour long special that I had memorized that I could just use to go and do private shows. That's a big thing, you know, doing a lot of private paid shows and also this Danglish show tour. And yeah. the tour ran for two years. Oh, it's so cool. I wonder yeah, if I went to see really it tough. twice because, <laughs> because I, uh, sorry, <laughs> but that's so cool. Two years. Awesome. And it's really, really fun, yeah. I have uh, like two more questions before uh, we say goodbye. So one of them is what kind of advice, you know, would you give to someone who just arrived in Denmark or someone who arrived here a long time ago, but is struggling to maybe uh, adjust to the culture or understand the culture better? 
Because I know, I mean, it sounds like for you, was like, your journey was very awesome. And of course, every person's journey is different. And some people have like a great time adjusting to the culture. Others might find a little bit more difficult. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's still struggling to, you know, feel like it's part of the culture here? I do really, really, really sympathize with internationals that are struggling. And I know it is a big problem. And I know I've had a lot of international friends who who never kind of really merged, you know, they never really assimilated. And so they they eventually left. And for me, the, the fact that I was doing stand-up comedy meant that I met a lot of Danes. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really good fun. And that's get, kept me here. You know, having really good Danish friends is really, really cool. And it's been really like a draw. But at the same time, there is a lot of people in the comedy community who I've met, very, very nice people, but they don't want to speak in English with me. So there are a lot of, not a lot, but there are a few comedians who we only speak in Danish, you know, and when I perform, perhaps they don't really pay so much attention. And when they perform, I find it you know, hard to understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And there's just this kind of barrier there, you know, and then of all of the comedians, there are those that, that like 25% who are super happy to perform in English and want to spend, want to chat with me and spend time with me. And that's, that's the thing that I would take away from the experiences. It's really, really hard. You have to put yourself out there and language can be a huge barrier, but you will, you will meet people who are totally comfortable with speaking in English and spending time with you. And I would say that it's, you can, you know, for every like 10 times that you put yourself out there, yeah, maybe six or seven times it doesn't work out and you feel kind of alienated, but when it does work out, it will be really, really good. And those Danes will really help you. And to really please them, I really, really recommend to any internationals, just try to learn a little bit of Danish, like not even, not even trying to say something properly, but just to show that you're interested because Danes, it's like catnip for them, you know, (laughs) like little kittens on their backs. They just, they really love it. If you just show that you're also really interested in them and their country, because Danish is so important to them. Yeah, it really is. I don't think they even realize, but it's like super hoogly and it's like their special little thing. And they like, I have jokes about this. They like speaking. I don't know why. I don't know why, but they do. They really like speaking Danish. So that would be my my tip to internationals. I don't know why, but they like to speak Danish. <laughs> I really don't. I don't, especially when their English is so good. And then you think, wow, you're really, it must be tiring, this Danish thing for you guys. It's really complicated. And this is a question that I want to start asking actually people on the podcast and I wish I would have started earlier but what's one of the best or what's the best thing about living in Denmark and what's the worst thing about living in Denmark oh that's really hard oh that's really difficult I think one thing I I really like about Denmark is that whatever you're into you can kind of be a big fish in a small pond because it's not so many you know it's whatever five and a half six million people and the highest points that you can reach the stars as it were are never really that far away like if you want to you can get on television it's possible you know (laughs) or uh, play music for a big crowd or you could be a known person in Denmark for whatever you're into it's totally possible so that is really really wonderful but that also does mean that it kind of has its limits as well like Mm. once you've of got to the top of where you are there's not i don't know i feel like there's not so many places to go sometimes mm-hmm. although maybe i'm just bitter <laughs> because <laughs> if i want to move up i probably have to learn the danish language and that would be yeah that would be my i would say the hardest thing is is the language yeah i would say cool. i would say that's really be, the biggest struggle definitely consider it's it's because it's everything it's like if you go to you know everything if you go to the pharmacy and you get medicine it's in danish <laughs> 
<laughs> so silly. But then you then you're like, oh crap. <laughs> Do I am I doing this correctly? Am I doing this correctly? Thank you so much for <laughs> for sharing about your experience moving here, also being a comedian in Denmark. I really appreciate to have you, you know, the podcast. And I, oh, I'm looking so forward much. to see, you know, your future shows, whatever everything opens up, or even if it's online. So thank you. I wish you the best oh, of thank luck. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Bye, Conrad. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you like the podcast and would like to support it, feel free to buy me a coffee. You can do this through the platform Ko-Fi, that is K-O-F-I. And you can get to the podcast page through the link on our Instagram account. Not long ago, I received my first coffee and it really warmed my heart. So if you would like to support the podcast and you're in a position to do so, feel free to give me as many coffees as you want to. I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you again and see you next time.